let's start. So, Bezat Hashem, this should be for Rufua Shema Chaya Sarah Bat Simcha. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start with Parashat Vayet Hanan. Now, this is a special parasha because whenever you see this parasha, this parasha is always read Shabbat Nahamu. It's the Shabbat always after Tisha B'Av, where Hashem, so to speak, promises to us that we will be um, consoled. So, B'zat Hashem, it's even a, a greater time. So, B'zat Hashem, um, this, it, it's a big zechu. This is also the week that Eliyahu and Avi um, went up to heaven on this Moteh Shabbat. So whenever you see Shabbat Hanan, it means Hashem is making everything good with that Hashem. Okay. The Pasuk writes, Now Moshe is talking as last week's parasha. These are the words, the Devarim is all about Moshe, what Moshe told B'nai Yisrael. So now, and Moshe prayed to Hashem at that time saying, now what does that mean, Moshe prayed to Hashem? So Rashi says that Moshe wasn't, didn't just pray, right? Then he would have, he would have wrote by, by, but it says, but means Moshe prayed for something that Hashem should give him a present, meaning give it to him for free. Without him using now, of course, people have zechut that they could use, but Moshe implore, uh, um, used the tefillah of Batchanan, meaning Moshe was asking for a free a freebie from Hashem. As we see er, earlier, when Moshe told um, um, Hashem he wants to see his ways, so Hashem told him, "Vachanoti um, ahon." Meaning, I will show show favor who I want to show favor. So to speak, some people get things for free. So Moshe now is asking Hashem, even though I might not deserve it, Hashem, but please give, let me get into the land of Eid Yisrael as a freebie. Now, what does it mean, Ba'etahi, at that time? Now, what time are they talking about? So Rashi explains, this is right after they conquered all, Sichon and Og, right? Previously, in the previous couple of parashiyot, Og and Sichon, which were these two um, giant countries or two countries that Bnei conquered. So this is right after he conquered them. Now he beseeches Hashem for mercy. Now, Ba'etchanan, the rabbis tell us that Moshe didn't just pray one time. He prayed 515 different tefillot. So, Moshe really wants to get into to Eretz Yisrael. Lemor says Rashi. Now it says Vayetchanan et Hashem beetahi lemor. Now whenever it says the word lemor, usually lemor means to say it over, like by Daber Hashem and Moshe lemor. Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, meaning go tell Bnei Yisrael. So the fact that it says here lemor, she wants to know, so to say, um, that it's 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 extra. These words are extra. Right? It's not a commandment where he's going to tell B'nai Yisrael. What's the word Lemod? So Rashi says that Moshe, so to speak, went to Hashem and told Hashem, I will not let go of you until you give me an answer. I want to an answer. Don't just leave me alone. Tell me yes or no. Okay. So now Moshe is praying to Hashem. 
אדוני אלוהים, אתה החלות לראות את עבדיך, right? השם אלוקים, right? that's how we read it, even though it's Hashem, Hashem, but whenever you see that, those, those double Hashems in a row, the Yud Kevavke turns into Elohim. Now Moshe is saying Hashem Elohim, meaning Hashem, you should be merciful, Hashem is the, is, is the name of mercy, and Elohim is judgment. So Moshe is saying, be merciful in judgment, meaning, be, be, go easy on me. You begin to, you begin to show me your, your servant, um, meaning your servant, which is referring to Moshe himself. Your greatness and your strong arm. Now your greatness refers to Hashem's goodness, that Hashem always shows good to people. And whenever it says Yadecha, it's referring to Hashem's right arm, right? The strong arm of Hashem is the right arm, right? Hachazaka, the strong one. Why is it called the strong one? Because the right hand of Hashem re- represents God's mercy and uh, Hashem's kindness. And the left arm represents the judgments. So the strong arm, meaning that the strong arm over, over, overrides, is stronger than the left one, meaning the mercy should override the judgment. Who, is there any power in the heavens or in the earth that could do the, 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 the deeds you do and the mighty acts you do? What, sorry? Hello? Could someone mute? Because, uh, okay. Um, you're so great. There's no one like you. Sorry, somebody is. Guys, you have to mute yourself. Okay. So now, again, Moshe is giving a tefillah to Hashem in order to try to get into Eretz Israel. Um, now, the, the, simple, the, the, the simple interpretation why Moshe specifically asked now after the war of Sichon and Og was because now, so to speak, that was the beginning of the conquest of going into Israel, right? Even Sichon and Og actually became annexed to Israel as the, um, as the certain tribes actually took them, at, took that land as their land, as we saw in the last couple of weeks. Um, half the tribe of Menashe and God and Reuven. So, so to speak, the beginning of the conquest already started. Moshe thought maybe, even though Hashem made a neder that Moshe wouldn't go in, maybe the neder was, um, you know, a no. So now Moshe is going to say what he wants. Hashem, please let me cross. Right, cross over the the Jordan River, and I should see I'll see the good land across the Jordan River. the good mountain, this good mountain, and the Lebanon. So what is that? What does that mean? This good mountain. So this is referred to Yushalayim. Moshe said, I want to go into to be able to see Yushalayim, the Lebanon. That refers to the Beit Hamikdash. 
Lebanon. Now, why is it called Lebanon? Says Rashi, Lebanon from the word Laban. Laban means whitened because this, um, the Beit HaMikdash, the, the place of the Beit HaMikdash used to whiten the sins of B'nai Israel. Okay, so that is the beginning. This is the Moshe's prayer. And Bezat Hashem tomorrow, we will continue the class. Bezat Hashem, it should be at a fort of speedy recovery for Haya Sarah Batsimcha. That's a guess. All right, we'll start Benek David. Ve'ata Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu is talking, Shema el ha-chukim ve'el ha-mishpatim asher anuchim medamed etchem na'asot. Listen to the to the laws and the statutes that I'm commanding you to do, so you will live. If you follow the Torah, you live. You'll inherit the land. That the God of your father, of your fathers, is giving to you. Now the Torah teaches us a law. So we're not allowed to add to the law. The Torah is, is, is fixed. You cannot add to the law of the Torah that she gives an example. For example, if a man that wears tefillin, and the tefillin, there's four parashiyot. Guy says, I want to be mahmir. I want to add a fifth parasha. Not allowed. Well, let's say on, on Sukkot, we take four species in the lulav. He wants to take a fifth species. He wants to be mahmir. Not allowed. Or let's say he wants to five sisiyot. You know, the sisiyot have four corners. He wants to make an extra corner, and he wants to make five fringes. It's going to be forbidden. He can't add to a mitzvah. And the Torah as well. You're not allowed to subtract uh, from the Torah. That means whatever the, the minimum is, the, the measurement is, or the mitzvah is, you cannot detract from the mitzvah. It's, it's as is. And that's, uh, that's to preserve the integrity of the Torah. In order to observe the commandments as Hashem gave them, that I'm commanding you. Moshe Rabbeinu tells the people, your eyes have seen. You have seen. You saw what happened in the sin that's referred to Baal Peor. That was the Avodah Zarah. All those people that went after the Avodah Zarah called Baal Peor. God destroyed all those people. But you who have clung to God and are clinging to God, you will have life uh, and you are alive today. Moshe Rabbeinu continues. etchem. I have taught you like God taught me in order that you should fulfill them in the land that you are inheriting. Shmartem, as she says, is referring to Mishnah, meaning you have to study, to study the laws. 
That means after you study them, you have to perform the laws. Uh, and the only way to perform is you have to study first to know what to perform. So that she comes along and says that uh, through the study of Torah and the observance, uh, you will be considered in the eyes of Goim. Goim will be impressed when they see the uh, Jewish people following the law. When they start to see that the law is actually a divine law and the law is progressive and the law is so so special, shouldn't be embarrassed of the law. On the contrary, the Goim will give you respect. They will uh, honor you and see how wise is such a nation. And the Goim will say, Ashiri Shmeun et kola hukim, they're going to hear about all these laws, the Amiru, and they're going to say, Rak am hacham denavon that indeed this is a, um, a, a wise and understanding uh, and great nation. Kimi goi gadol, who is a great nation, gadol like us, that God, their God is close to them. Like our God is, that uh, anytime we call upon him, He's available, which is a great pasuk that reminds us that God is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's no time for prayer. Every time is prayer, a time for prayer. A person shouldn't think, well, I can only pray during shahrit and hanabit, which is the fixed times. Yeah, of course. But in between those times as well, Mori Alam is always available to hear the tefilot. He's always listening. Umigoi gadol. And who is such a great nation? That we have such righteous uh, statutes, righteous, righteous laws. That she says the laws are fair and the laws are acceptable. Uh, they're fair and acceptable. So that's, uh, that's, that says a lot. Nobody should think what Moshe Rabbeinu was, uh, is telling us about his opinion on what the Torah is, he's saying it's a fair law and it's an acceptable law and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's filled with wisdom. And on the contrary, those that f- follow the Torah, they gain the honor and the appreciation and the admiration, I should say, of the Goyim. But then he says, Rak You must watch yourself greatly. Beware. And you have to watch, beware for your soul. Lest you, lest you forget, lest you forget uh, what your eyes uh, have seen. What is this referring to over here? She says, That means if you don't forget the law and you fulfill it as they were prescribed, then you'll be considered wise and bright in the eyes of the Goyim. But if you're going to pervert the law, because you forgot it, so that if you're not going to keep the accuracy of the law, you're going to keep a, you know, a quasi-law, a law that's not 100%, then you're not going to get this benefit of having the admiration of the Goyim. So the Torah has to be fulfilled as, uh, as given. And we must give this over. To our children and grandchildren. What, what must we give over to them? 
יום אשר עמדת לפני השם אלוהיך בחורב. We must tell them about that great moment on what we saw at Har Sinai. We saw the, the, the voices, loud, loud sounds. We saw the torches and the fire. So that she's teaching us over here that we have an obligation in order to tell over to our children the mitzvah, to tell our children and grandchildren about Har Sinai. To sit with them and tell them, boys and girls, there was an event. We all came, three million people. God invited us to come to the foot of the mountain and we heard Hashem himself say, Anuchi Hashem Elohecha, Lo Elohim I am your God. You should not have any more, any other God besides me. And we couldn't take it. The voice was so strong that we, we fainted or we died. And God had to resurrect us and we said, please, we cannot uh, tolerate the, the, the frequency, the voice is too strong of God. And therefore Moshe Rabbeinu took over and gave us the rest of the laws. And nobody was in doubt. Everybody at that event knew that this was God talking. This was not, uh, 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 you know, a uh, magic or some optical illusion or some hallucination. Everybody knew that they were in the presence of God. And uh, therefore they knew they received uh, the Torah and Hashemayim. And therefore we have an obligation to pass over that tradition, not only on the day of Shavuot, and that's when we commemorate, obviously, Matan Torah. But from time to time, it seems that the Torah wants us to pass over that event. And that event is different than any other religion. All other religions do not happen in such a public forum. You know, our Torah was given in front of three million people. It's a lot of people. Uh, and uh, they all heard it. It was done in the most public uh, fashion. Whereas all the other religions were given by one person. One person dream, one person, you know, prophesied something. Uh, and, and, and what was their prophecies? That God has forsaken the Jews. That's the starting point. That's the starting point of Christianity. And that's the starting point of, of Islam. That, yes, the Jews were the chosen people. Because no one cannot deny that. You can't deny something that happened in front of three million people. It's too... You know, in our Torah, two witnesses is enough to kill somebody. So imagine three million people. That's a lot of witnesses, a lot of eyes, six million eyeballs. So they cannot deny it, especially the leader of Christianity was Jewish. So he came from uh, from, from the Old Testament. They, they don't deny that. If you look in both books, the Old Testament, I mean, the, the, the Christianity, the, 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 their book starts with the Old Testament and then it moves to the New Testament. Abdil, of course. And the Arabs, if you look in their Quran, it talks about Musa and it talks about Jabalos and all the, the different uh, uh, events. The Nabi Aharon. All our tzaddikim. They don't deny it. What do they say? They changed. God got angry at the Jews and we're the new uh, successor of the Jews. They fine. But don't you think if God would change his mind, he would have to bring three million people back together again and uh, 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 remove it from, like the way he gave it? If, if, if it was given in such a public manner, why then was it re reversed and taken away in such a private manner? That's an indication that it's a hoax, that it's a lie. Because you do not take the testimony of three million people against one man. Especially that now you have 
religions that are arguing with each other because each religion claims Jews were right initially and then got to me. Now, the Christians have to speak to the Muslims because they say the same claim. So we say to both of them, when you figure it out yourselves, in the meantime, both of you agree that we were the originals. So we'll keep the status over here. They themselves are arguing uh, who's the real religion after the Jews. And we come along and say, well, when you figure it out who's the real religion after us, but both of you agree that it was us from the beginning, so therefore we'll keep the status and it's us. And therefore there's no uh, there's contest. Uh, and that's why it's so important that our children know, at least according to Rashid's opinion, the, um, the importance of the event of, uh, of Har Sinai. Uh, and we all heard. We all heard the law. We all heard the law, uh, and that that was passed out to the children and the grandchildren. This was not something that was that could have been made up. When, when everybody was was at the event. Now the Torah comes along and says, "Yom Asher Amad The day you stood at Choreb. That's another name for Sinai. When God said, gather me all the people, and I will, um, you know, I shall let them hear my words. Uh, so they will have fear of me. All the days of and they will teach it over to their children. Uh, it says, and all of you Jewish people, you stood under the mountain, the and the, the mountain itself was in fire. The mountain itself was burning. And the fire went all the way to the, uh, to the heavens, to the middle of the heavens. Choshech, was darkness, Anan, there was a cloud, there was a thick, thick fog. This was all the backdrop of Har Sinai. And God spoke to us uh, through the fire. And we heard um, the, the voice. But you did not see an image, only sound. It was the audio, no video here because you can't see God. So we just heard the sound coming from the, from the mountain. You don't see any timuna, any picture, just sound. And God told us of his covenant. So that's it. That's the, we call that the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets. And then God commanded me. To teach you the laws and the statutes. And that you should be able to fulfill them in the land. Here's a another very, very famous pasuk in the Torah. Torah is teaching us over here, number one, you should take great care of yourselves. And from here we learn the mitzvah of health, that you should be Take care of yourself. So when the only mitzvot that it says the word me'od, that you should be very, very careful and take great care 
of your souls. Uh, you did not see any images when God came and revealed himself in the fire. Uh, and therefore, God warns us. Lest you come along and make a carved image, you know, a shape of a form of a zakhar or a a male or female, or a form of an animal, or a, you know, a, a winged animal, a bird that flies, or a image of a creeping uh, creature that crawls on the ground, or an image of a fish. By the way, today, all the people that worship Avodah have these images. One guy worships a fish, one guy worships a, a lion, one guy worships a snake. All the Goyim have their, uh, have their images. And the Torah is banning us against any images. Our Torah does not have an image. Our God has no image. So any, any, any time you put an image, that's against the invisible God. God has no image in Temunah. So anything you're going to do with Temunah clearly goes against what our God represents. Now, even if you want to take existing images, you see the sun. Wow, it's a powerful body. The moon, the stars, all the celestial bodies, the entire heaven. And you will be drawn after them because they're impressive. And blessed, God forbid, you will um, um, you will bow to them. And you will you will serve them. This is that God has appointed um, these items. Now, uh, sounds like this is a problematic pasuk. Sounds like, no, that's for the Goyim to worship. And God gave you himself. But ah, the sun, the stars, the, 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 the bodies in the heaven, that's for the Goyim. It's not for the Goyim either, by the way. They cannot worship the sun and the, and the stars and the moon. So what does the Pasuk mean? That God appointed them to the people on, on, on the planet, meaning the Goyim. So that she has to fix that for us. And as she says, no, he appointed it to them for light. That's it. It's a light uh, source, the sun. That's one interpretation. So don't make a mistake to think that the Pasuk is saying, yeah, that's for them to worship. No, God gave it to them uh, in order just to uh, uh, to light. The sun and the moon uh, give light. Now, the truth of the matter is, what does it mean, what about us? We don't get light. Why is the Pasuk only saying that they benefit? I mean, we also benefit from it. So the Gemara Megillah says that the sun and the moon and the stars give light not only to the nations, but to Israel as well. But this is only a temporary state of affairs. Ultimately, God himself will be the source of Israel's light. As the prophet says, you shall no longer have need for the sun, for light of day, for the brightness shall of the moon to illuminate you, and Hashem shall be unto you eternal light. So therefore, uh, the heavenly bodies ultimately are for the Goyim, because we're going to end up getting a much uh, 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 greater source of light, which is going to come from Hashem himself. God is going to be our source of light. So that's what it means. Then Hashem offers a second interpretation. 
yes, God has given the heavenly bodies in order that the Goyim should worship. What does that mean? God does not prevent them from following them. God lets a person go in the way he wants. God let them slip into their foolishness and uh, therefore God says in the Pasuk, oh, I gave it to the Goyim, so they'll make the mistake. God wants to uh, bring the, uh, the Goyim to this mistake, the Tordam in Olam, in order to drive them from the world. So therefore, when he mentions the Pasuk over here, that uh, uh, that God, it's, it's for them, so therefore, as she is saying, halak is like echlik, made them slip. When it says, asher halak lahem, that God is saying that so the green will stumble and, and fall and be drawn after it. Uh, and therefore, uh, but not for us. God is telling us clearly, not for us. So those are two interpretations. God says, I took you, by your barzel, <clears throat> I took you out of the literally means the iron crucible. That's the kud is a uh, like an oven that they um, that they uh, refine gold. They put the metal in it and it heats it up. And that was Egypt. Egypt was like a kud barzel. I don't know why that she says uh, kud is something that they refine gold when the pasuk is talking about kud barzel. I don't know why what, what she changed the, uh, um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the the metal on us. But the Mepharashim say that um, it's just called Kura Barzeh. That's the name of it. It can purify anything. It's just the expression Kura Barzeh does not mean a crucible for smelting iron. Because kur specifically denotes a vessel used for gold or silver. The verse compares Israel to precious gold and silver, not to iron. So they just called it kur barzel, <clears throat> but uh, it's really a, uh, a kur that purified. It means just like the, the, the metal is purified in this crucible, the Jews went into Mitzrayim and we were, uh, were purified, purified. I once heard from, I think, the Arizal, the reason why the Pasuk calls it Kura Barzel is because we are the children of the Imahot, B'nai Israel, the 12 tribes. And the Imahot is Rashid Tevot Barzel. The Bet is Bilha. And the Resh is Rachel. And the Zayin is uh, Zilpa. And the Lamed is Le'ah. So therefore, Kura Barzel. Barzel is the Jewish people. But the Jewish people were the children of Barzel into the fire. And uh, we came out. Uh, we came out pure, uh, purer than we were. Fine. Last pasuk. Uh, God took us out of Mitzrayim, out of the crucible. Hashem became angry with me because of your matters, because of your concerning your different affairs that you did. God swore. He swore that I will not cross the um, the Jordan with you. Will be I cannot go to the good land. Asher, otherwise, the wicked will tell me, "Ha, na halaki." Anochi met ba'aris azot. 
Unfortunately, he says, I'm going to die in this land over here. Uh, so obviously, what, is it, what does it mean when he says, Ki anuchi met pa'aris, Obviously, if he's going to die, he's not going to cross the, the Jordan. So that she says, even his bones will not cross. That means even they're not going to be burying him in Eretz Yisrael, which means you have some people that when they die, <clears throat> at least they get a zikhut, they get buried in Eretz Yisrael. And over here, Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't even get the uh, zikhut to be buried. So that's what the double language is when it says, uh, even posthumously. But you will go across don't forget the covenant of your God. Don't do any <coughs> images again. That God has commanded against. Remember, your God is a consuming fire and he's zealous. Zealous means he's zealous to take revenge. And therefore, uh, he settles the score with those that, that anger him to take, uh, you know, take punishment against those that worship uh, Avodah Zarah. The Moshe Rabbeinu is warning him, don't think uh, you're going to get away with it. Okay, Rabotai, that's a nice limut uh, tonight, a little extra. But nonetheless, uh, even though we just think you can't go extra, doesn't mean learning. Learning, you can learn the whole Torah. means you can't change the mitzvot. All right, this is for Hayas Sarah, but Samara for Amen. We learned the Fashlema Haya Sarabat Simha. We are in Perik David. And we're in Pasuk Khafvav. Haidoti Bachemayom. So God is giving us a testimony. The heavens and the earth, they're going to bear witness, which means Moshe Rabbeinu is calling upon the heavens and the earth to be witnesses that they are officially warned. And what is the warning? That God forbid the Jewish people are going to be destroyed if they worship Avodazara, if they worship idolatry. In the land that you're crossing the Jordan, you will not have lengthy days upon the land. On the contrary, you're going to be destroyed. And therefore the Pasuk says, God will uh, disperse you or scatter you amongst the nations. And you'll uh, remain with a few people, a few numbers, meaning very, very minimal population. Uh, amongst the Goyim, that God will lead you there. And you're going to serve you're going to serve synthetic gods, gods that are made by man. What are they? It's Va'evin. An interesting Hadush over here I once saw the Torah is predicting the major religions. Etzba Eben, the Christians have a cross. And the cross is the uh, on, on wood. And the Arabs, they believe in the rock in Mecca. 
and therefore that's Ebed. So the Torah is coming to hint to you that there's going to come a day where there's going to be two religions, one religion of Eitz and one religion of Ebed, of the rock. And what's going to happen? Idolatry that cannot see and cannot hear. They cannot eat, they cannot smell. Then you're going to reach what's called rock bottom. And then you're going to seek out God from that place, and you'll find him. When you search for him with all your heart and all your uh, or, or and all your uh, soul. When you're going to be in distress, and all these troubles are going to be set to you. At the end of time, you'll return to God. And you will listen to his word. And the Torah says that even though you veered off the path, and now you called out to God in distress, God will uh, uh, answer you. Because uh, God is merciful. What does lo mean? So that she says, he will not loosen his grip. Then I put this to loosen. He will not loosen his grip. Holding on to you. He'll hold on to your hand with his hands. That means he will never uh, uh, give you up. He will not destroy you. He will not forget the covenant that he made with the fathers. You're going to ask about the days that preceded you. The time that God created Adam, Adam, on the mankind, on the earth. That such a thing ever ever happened? What is he talking about over here? He's referring to that Hashama Am called Elohim. Did a full entire nation ever hear the voice of God? Speaking from fire. Like this nation did. And you survived? This never happened before Matan Torah. You're going to ask, did this ever happen? We call this unprecedented. No other uh, people ever experienced on such a mass scale, even on a smaller scale, but to have 600,000 men, adults, which incidentally I'll point out that these adults that they witnessed at Sinai, they didn't witness it just as, as uh, commoners. They reached a level of prophecy. That means they had a concentrated understanding of what they were witnessing, which means when a, when, when a regular person witnesses something, fine, it's uh, folk. But when a Navi witnesses something, that's already a, 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 a nuclear witness. And all the people of Matan Torah were nuclear witnesses. They saw something that was vivid and lucid, and they understood it to the deepest level. And it happened, like we said last night, that was only the men, besides the other millions of women and children uh, that were there. And uh, so you're starting off with three million people that saw the event, and then it was handed down. I the so therefore, but I say, did such an event ever happen? Did a nation ever come to hear the word of God? And now only did they hear the word of God. And they survived it. Oh, did God ever perform 
miracles. He took us out of Egypt. He took a nation amidst a nation. Smith's favorite rabbi. Thank you. How dare you? Get to a different room. I'm teaching Torah. Go to another room. Guys, you have to mute. It's a parsha. I'm here first. You have to mute your phone, your iPad, or something. Did God ever do a miracle to take a nation amidst the nation? The Masot, with all these challenges, the Otot, with signs, and wonders, and war, he had Hazakah with strong hands, on a two-year outstretched hand, great awesome deeds. In front of your eyes. So you see over here, the Torah comes along and tells us the different things that God did. Number one, we're going to read Rashi now. What's Masot? Challenges. That's referring to the tests that God gave. He let them know his strength. Remember, God challenged Paro, or Moshe Rabbeinu challenged Paro when he said, you know, tell me when you want me to take away the plague. Oh, you take it away tomorrow. So therefore, they were challenging Paro, thinking that Paro would say, take the plague away today. But they said, no, let me see if you can take it away tomorrow. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I can take it away whenever you want. That's the Masot, the challenges that they gave uh, to Paro. Be'otot, that's the Simanim. What's the Simanim? You remember when uh, uh, God said, what's this in your hand? He said, a stick. Throw the stick on the ground. What does the stick turn into? Snake. That's the uh, Otot, that's the signs. Mofetim, that's what? That's the plagues. Makot Muflaot, wondrous and marvelous plagues. And Ubilhama, that was the war, because it says like Hashem Yilachem Lachem, Ki Hashem So each one of these words, the pasuk represents a different element or aspect of how Hakadosh Baruch Hu took us out of Mitzrayim, and that never happened. So the two highlighted events that are being discussed over here is: Did anybody ever come as a nation and hear the word of God and survive? And did God ever re- uh, 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 redeem? And uh, bring out a nation from a nation in such wondrous, uh, masterful ways, like he did to the Jewish people in Mitzrayim. No, he didn't. And the Jewish people were the uh, a receiver on the receiving end of both these uh, wonderful and uh, unprecedented events. And you have become shown to know. God is God in Od Milibado. That's the famous line. In Od Melibado, EOM. Horetan, as she comes along and says, that you, you, you actually saw. What did we see? So that she says that when Akadosh Baruch Hu gave the Torah, he opened the heavens. Imagine the heavens are like a curtain. So you always want to know what's going on behind the curtain. You know, in the show, they have the curtain. So you have what you call it, backstage, as we call it. So therefore, when Olam revealed the curtain and the people were able to see what's going on backstage in heaven, and he revealed to them the seven different heavens, and um, they were able to see uh, that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is alone running the heavens, 
So just like God split the sea, he split the heavens as well, and they were able to see his, his greatness. And the Pasuk says, From heaven, we heard the voice of God, the Yasereka. Yasereka means in order to teach us. And on earth, he showed us his great amidst the fire. We heard his voice coming through the fire, amidst the fire. Because God loved your fathers. And he chose their children after. And he took them out. She says, Like a person who leads his son ahead of him. And therefore, uh, it says, he took them out before him. That means the, the father goes in front of the child. So who went in front of us with the cloud of glory, like it says, and he led us out of Egypt. The angel or the cloud of glory led us out. He was in the front. The Horish. In order that we should inherit Goim Gedolim, great, great Goim, Ba'atsumim, and mighty, Mimecha, from you, Mipanecha, that's the nations that we conquered in Eretz Israel and in the Midbar, Naviachab, to bring you that Tetachat Artsam, to inherit their lands, Nahalakayom and now you will know today that Shevotai Levecha, you will bring this down to your heart. God is the God. In the heavens. And he is the God on earth. And Ot. That is it. There is nobody and none other than Hashem. Therefore, keep his statutes. If you keep the Mitzvot, the beneficiary will be none other than you yourself. Because the Torah is the commandment of God, and it brings obviously a benefit to the person who fulfills it, and to your children. You want to benefit your children? Keep them as vot. And you'll have a long life. And what is that? That is referring to olam uh, in the in the next world. So that's uh, that's that. All right, Abotai, let's just go one more pasuk just to start the next aliyah. As Yavdil Moshe, Shalosh Arim, Be'eber Yarden. And now we talk about uh, Moshe Rabbeinu had an idea that he wanted to be, the, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was determined to do any mitzvah that he can. And there's a law that says you need six cities of refuge. Those are called Arim Meklat. Those are cities where if somebody murders Bishogeg and intentionally he has to run to one of those cities and he has to live in that city until the Kohen Gadol dies. So there's three cities in Israel, and there's three cities outside of Israel. Now Moshe Rabbeinu could not uh, um, uh, separate the three cities that were in Israel for the simple reason he didn't go into Israel. So he was only able to separate the three cities on the other side of the Jordan. So it says, as then, Yavdil Moshe Shalosh Arim, he divided, or he separated, he set aside the three cities, to the east. 
murderer can run there, that he kills his friend unknowingly, meaning unintentionally. He's not an enemy of him. And he will run to one of the cities over there and live. And the names of the cities were in Betzer, the Midbar, in the Mishor, in the Reuveni, in the Reuven region, Betramot, Bagilad, in the Gad region, and Golan, in the Bashan, in the Menashe region. So those are the three. And this is the uh, the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu was about to set forth. It's coming up. Uh, the Torah is coming up. Maybe it's going to be the Ten Commandments. That's going to be in the, in the next parasha. Here are the edut, uh, the statutes or the laws, the testimonies with the hukim with the mishpatim which they Moshe el bnei Israel with the time they came out of Mitzrayim. This was given to them on the other side of the Jordan, but guy, guy is in the valley, Mulbet Peor in front of the uh, uh, valley, opposite Bet Peor, which was an Abu Dazara in the desert. Actually, attacked that region of Sihon when they came out of Mitzrayim. So they conquested. And conquered the land of Sihon and also Og, the two kings of the Emori, Sihon and Og, Hashem Ever Yaden, Mizahem is on the east side. Maroer, Ad Svanahar Arnon, from Aroer to Svat Arnon, Tahar Shion, which is the Hermon area. These are all different locations that Moshe Rabinu conquered on the Transjordan side. Uh, areas belonging to Sihon and Og, which were two major kings. Okay, we got two Aliyot tonight, and Bezat Hashem will continue Bezat uh, Hashem the next time. Uh, we want to say that these classes are for the Fuash Shalimah, Haya Sarah, Bat, has a very long perasha. And we're in Ba'it Hanan. Very big perasha. Let's see where we got to over here. I have us in Perik here. Oh, oh, wow. Special night. Tonight we are going to go through the Ten Commandments. How do you like that? Mm-hmm. All right, let's go. Mm-hmm. So, Moshe Rabbeinu calls the people. And he tells them, Shema Yisrael, listen Israel, at the Hakim, with the Mishpatim, uh, that I'm going to speak to you today, to learn them, and then you have to keep them. Obviously, you cannot keep the law unless you learn the law. Uh, rabbis tell us that a person who is ignorant of the law can never be an observant Jew. They just have uh, preconceptions of what they think the law is, but they have no idea what what they're supposed to do. And therefore, the Torah is telling us over here, first, first you have to learn the mitzvot, and most importantly, you have to learn halakha. Uh, people, um, unfortunately, forget that Judaism is a religion of laws. Not a religion 
just about feeling and, uh, you know, everybody doing what they think is right and everybody, you know, just uh, following, uh, you know, some, uh, some traditions. It's a, it's a book of laws. It's, uh, and we're bound by these laws. And that's what defines being a Jew is a, a concept that's called the halachic Jew. A Jew uh, 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 portrays his Judaism through observance. So when you have a guy come and say, ah, I'm, not, uh, I'm not observant. <laughs> what do you mean you're not observant? You're Jewish, you have to be observant. You have no choice. You receive the Torah Har Sinai. Well, you cannot be observant unless you learn. So a person who never learns, learns Hilchot Shabbat can never be a Shomer Shabbat with all the good intentions in the world. And if a person doesn't learn the laws of the holidays, or the laws of Keshrut, or family purity, all different halachot, uh, so how is he going to be a Shomer Torah Mitzvot? So that's what Moshe Rabbeinu, before he gives the Ten Commandments to us, he says the main thing is Ulmatem Otam. You have to learn the laws. And I must say that, and maybe I'm guilty of this, at least when it comes to the ladies, at least, we don't teach enough halakha. We teach a lot of, you know, parasha. Okay, it's a parasha class. That's, that's what it is. But there is a neglect, maybe, in not teaching enough laws. If you remember in the beginning of this class, we even taught a little Chot Shabbat in the beginning, just to throw in some practical halakhot so that people should know what to do. Everybody has to really set aside time during the week just to study and refresh themselves. Or maybe it's not even a refresher, maybe to learn initially, you know, what Hashem wants from us. And now the Pasuk says, Hashem Eloheinu, our God, Karat Imanu Berit, Bechorev. God made for us a, uh, a covenant. We have a covenant with God, a Berit, uh, a treaty or a pact. And this Horev. Horev is another name for which means God did not only make this covenant with our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov, God made the covenant with all of us, all of those that stood at the foot of Har Sinai. Now, some of you will say, well, that's, Problematic because I see night. You know, none, none, none of you think that you were present at that event. So I need to tell you that you're making a big mistake. You were present. Everybody was at Harsinai. Some were present in physical bodies and others were present in the Shema. And when the Shemot were all there. So whether you remember it or you don't remember it, but your neshama definitely stood at Har Sinai, and we heard Hashem give us the first two commandments. We heard His voice, and we were um, part of that treaty. And the pasuk says, "Panim uh, bePanim, diber Hashem emachim bahar metochaish." That God spoke to us face to face. Now, what does that mean? face-to-face. So the rabbis tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu said, don't say, don't say, 
And a mocher atzmo mitaber mechem. So Rashi gives a beautiful interpretation here. Sometimes a person, let's say, is buying a house. So normally you don't negotiate buyer and seller. Usually you have a broker in between, a real estate agent. And the real estate agent, uh, you cannot always trust the broker because, you know, they, they don't always communicate it exactly what the seller wants or what the buyer says. You know, they have personal interests as well. They want to make a commission. So they're, they're throwing in their own, you know, leverage or negotiations. And that's why you cannot always trust the broker. No offense to the brokers. Middleman. Guys, you have to mute your phones. Why should I have to mute their phones? Why do they have to mute their phones? They're not interrupting. We're only doing this for 10 months. And the people do not know to mute their phones. Okay. All right. Well, they're quiet for a second. So what happens is, is the broker sometimes is disingenuous because the broker is trying to make a sale. So what Moshe Rabbeinu was telling the people, don't think I sold you over here a bill of goods. I wasn't the middleman. Panim el panim. The buyer spoke to the seller. HaKadosh Baruch Hu came to us directly and communicated with us. Moshe Rabbeinu says, uh, I was not... Uh, you know, a middleman over here that was trying to mislead anybody. Panim panim, you heard it straight from God. And we heard it from the uh, from the fire, through the fire. Anochi omed ben Hashemu ben Echem ba'etahi, and I was standing in between God and the people. Lahagid lachem etevar Hashem. I was just repeating what God said. Ki yiretem ha'ish. Now, the people were uh, afraid uh, when they heard God's voice. So they told Moshe, no, no, it's too much for us. We can't handle the, the level of intensity. So you just, you know, repeat to us uh, what God is saying. But God was present. And Moshe Rabbeinu was just giving over exactly word for word. The first two commandments we heard from Hashem himself, but it was too much. And therefore the Subsequent eight uh, came from the um, interpretation or the, 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 the repeating of Moshe Rabbeinu. But again, uh, Hashem spoke to us uh, amidst the fire. And what did he say amongst the fire? Anochi, I am God. And uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was standing in between uh, uh, in order that... Um, He'll be able to uh, repeat the commandments after the people got scared. So now the Pasuk says, we start. Anochi Hashem Elohecha. Asher Hoseticha Me'eretz Mitzrayim Be'bet Abadim. So I am your God. Out of Mitzrayim, the house of slavery. Lo What does that mean? You should not have any other guards, gods. Al Panai means before me. 
Panai, Lefanai, in front of me, before me. Now, what does that mean? Bechol makom asher Wherever I am, you cannot have another God. Well, where is God? Everywhere. So that's basically saying, wherever I am, you cannot have another God. Meaning, you cannot have another God anywhere in the world, because God's presence is everywhere. That's one interpretation. Another interpretation is Alpanai, Kozman Shani Kayam, all the while that I exist. That means Alpanai, as long as I exist, uh, which refers to God's eternal nature. And therefore, as long as I am around, <laughs> you cannot have any other God. Now, that she over here says, if you want to see the interpretation of the Ten Commandments, I already explained it. Uh, I explained it in um, in the uh, in the book of uh, Exodus. I said it at the Berot Kevar Pedashtim. So it's probably uh, beneficial for us to take out a Shemot at this point and go back to Parashat Yitro and try to see some of Rashi's commentary on the Ten Commandments. So I'll excuse myself for one minute to get a book of Shemot and come back and we'll continue from there. One second. Okay. I'm back again. So we're going to Yitro. Baruch Hashem. We have books. Sometimes you go to people's houses and deal. And you ask them for a homage and they panic because they don't have a homage in their summer houses. They have a lot of chlorine for their pool. They have a lot of tennis balls. But you ask them for a homage, so oh, they're in Brooklyn. So that's a problem. Everybody has to have full library in Brooklyn and in deal, not only uh, the recreational stuff. Okay. Eric Huff. Huff, that's right, yeah. Where is it? Thank you. I need all the help I can get. So now we're going to read the Rashi over here. The Rashi says, Anuchi Hashem Elohecha, I am your God. She says, The reason why I took you out was in order that you should be subjugated or my slaves. So that's a very important point. When we left Egypt, we were still slaves. It's just that we had a new boss. Instead of being Avadim le Farah, we now became Avadim to Hashem. Like we say in the Halev, Hallelujah. Hallelujah Avde Adonai. Velo Avde Farah. Davara had another explanation. Lefi Shinniglab Bayam Kigibor Milhama. When God revealed himself at the, at the Yam, when he split the sea, God revealed himself like a gibor, like a warrior. And when it came to Har Sinai, the imagery of God, not that he has an image, but the image that we perceived was kezaken, like a scholar, that has mercy. So God is saying, listen, don't think that because I revealed myself 
at Yamsuf, like one image, like a warrior. Now I'm, I'm re re uh, uh, revealing myself to you as a scholar filled with mercy. Don't think that there's two gods. Anochi, I am the one that took you out of Mitzrayim at Yamsuf. I'm the same God here at Har Sinai. So that's the interpretation. Anochi, Hashem Elohecha, I am the same God that took you out of Mitzrayim. So nobody should say, wait, but in Mitzrayim, he looked like a warrior. Now he looks like a scholar. Maybe it's a different God, Hasbe Shalom. So, but Olam right away clears that up and says, no, I am the same God. Another interpretation. They heard a lot of voices. Um, there was a lot of sounds coming out, echoing all over the world. So therefore, when they heard all these, you know, thunder and uh, lightning, and so they thought maybe, maybe this is a result of many gods that are rumbling. So that's why the Pasuk says, no, Anochi, this is all me. There's no many gods. Now, the question over here is, who is God talking to? God is talking to three million people. So why does he say it in the singular? Anochi Hashem Elohecha. It should say, Anochi Hashem Elohechem. In plural. So that she says over here that God, who knows the future, knows that the Jewish people were going to worship the golden calf. So God wanted to give the Jewish people a, an out. What's the out? Moshe Rabbeinu would go to God and say, it's not their fault. When you gave the Torah, they thought you were just talking to me because you said, Anuchi Hashem Elohecha. And therefore, you can't get angry at them. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't refer to them as, uh, as their God. And that's why the Pasuk says, Why are you getting angry? You were talking to me. Therefore, uh, that's God's already way to prepare us or to prepare a, um, a, uh, a sweetening of the judgments after the sin of the egg. That's why it says in the singular. Now, what does that mean, the house of slaves? From the house of Paro, so that she's understanding, what does it mean, this house of slaves? Why is Egypt the house of slaves? Meaning we were the slaves. But now that she says an even more deeper explanation. If you remember, oh, so, Rashi says, Tamud Omar, We were the slaves of Paro. We were not slaves of slaves. That means we worked for Paro, who was a king. So therefore, we were the slaves that worked for Paro. So we said over here that we're not allowed the second commandment. Not, you cannot have other gods. So that she says, what do you have to say this person before? We just said, Because we learned that the Pasuk says, uh, 
in the next pasuk, lo ta'asir lecha pesel. You cannot make for yourself a pesel, a, uh, an image or a idolatry. Or you can't make it. But if it's made already, maybe you could serve it. That's why the pasuk says, lo yeh. It cannot be. Even if it's made already, you're not allowed to uh, keep it. You got to get rid of it. Now, Elohim Aherim. What does it mean, Elohim Aherim? Other gods. Is there such a thing as other gods? The Pasuk is misleading. If I'm reading the Pasuk, it sounds like you cannot have other gods, implying there are other gods, but you just cannot serve them. So that she says, no, other gods that are not gods, meaning other people made them gods. They're only considered gods because others uh, coronated them as gods, but they're really not. So it's the people that make them gods, not that they're gods intrinsically. Um, and clearly, as she says, it does not mean other gods besides me, because God is not going to call um, you know, other gods gods, obviously. Uh, another explanation, that they are Elohim Aherim. Aherim means distant or foreign. The gods of the Guim are foreign to the ones that serve them. What does that mean? They don't get any results. When the, when the, when the Chinese guy rubs the Buddhist stomach, he gets no results. So they don't answer their, their, own, uh, 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 their own parishioners. They don't, they don't answer the people that petition them. So therefore they're called Elohim Aherim, that they are foreign to those that serve them. They don't get answered. So they make themselves as if they are strangers to the ones that are uh, uh, praying to them. Okay, fine. Al-Panai, we learned already in Bayit Hanan that she says it again. As long as I am around, you cannot serve other gods. And the, the reason why he has to say that is, don't think that I'm only giving it to you for this generation. This applies for all future generations as well. Now, lo Okay, what does a pesel mean? Pesel is a final. Very good. Very good. Now, why is it called a pesel? Because a pesel means to, to carve or to chisel. Like, remember when Moshe Rabbeinu made the Ten Commandments, it says pesel lecha. Pesel means to chisel the stone. Because these abodazaras, they're made out of wood or whatever it may be. So the fashion, the fashioner, the one that models it, he chisels it. So it's called a pesel because that implies the way it's made. They're called temuna. Temuna is an image. Images of what? Images of the different celestial bodies, as she says. So you're not allowed to have an image of the sun, image of the moon, image of the stars. And really, according to the halakha, you're really not allowed to make these images. Uh, one should not have pictures of the, you know, uh, 3D pictures, let's say, of sun, moon, and things like that. Like some people, you have um, pictures. I once had a watch that was a moon phase watch that had an image of the moon on it. And Khamabadya told me she get rid of it. Because it's an image, it's image of the moon. Or uh, some people wear, you know, bracelets of stars and things like that. No, really not appropriate. So the Pasuk says over here 
And that's not even worshipping. You, should, you shouldn't even have these images at all. I am God. Elkanah means I am a vindictive God. She says, I will punish those that uh, worship uh, other gods. Uh, and I'm not going to forgive them for this over here. Uh, that means know that uh, punishment is coming for those people that worship Abu Dazara. Uh, Pasuk says, poked uh, avon avot. God says, I remember the sins of the fathers, Albanim, on the children, Shilishim, third generation, the fathers G1, the children are G2, then you have G3, and then you have Rebi'im, G4, Lesone'ai. Now, what does that mean? So, it says, when the children and grandchildren are continuing in the ways of the father, not only do they get punished for their sins, but they get punished for their father's sins as well, which means the sins become compounded. However, that while God remembers the sins for four generations, God remembers the mitzvot of our ancestors for 2,000 generations. So that's 500 times more God remembers the good for the descendants than the bad. She'adam shalem sachad Wow. So a person does good, the, the good that we're going to do today. Hey, we're sitting and learning Torah. This Torah that we're learning, not only benefiting us, it's a zikhut for our children and grandchildren. Who knows? Maybe in 50 years from now, we'll have a great, great grandchild and they'll be blessed. And they'll say, because they had a grandmother or a great grandfather that used to learn Torah every night, and therefore God remembers it. Nimsetla, she says, that the midah tova, the good good uh, uh, nature of God, is five hundred times greater than the negative. Because in the negative, God only remembers a sin up to four generations, like we said. But to the good, He remembers it up to uh, two thousand. That's five hundred times more. Let's do one more. Do not uh, say God's name. In vain. Now, what does that mean, in vain? So that she says, let's say a person comes along and he swears on God's name, I swear that this piece of gold is a piece of rock. Well, it, it, it's, it, it's in vain, which everybody knows that it's a, a, a rock. So what is he saying that, it, that it's gold? It's just, uh, or he says, let's say, uh, uh, on the contrary, he, he says something else. Uh, or he says, I swear that this tree is a tree. Well, he's not saying anything wrong, but it's, it's a waste. It, it, it's, it's for naught. What are you saying Hashem's name for no purpose? We know the tree is a tree. Or he says, I swear this rock is a rock. So that's also a, um, a, a wasteful, wasteful. So one has to be careful uh, not to swear on Hashem's name in vain where there's no there's no purpose, even though he didn't say anything wrong. I swear the tree is a tree. I swear the tree is wood. You have to put Hashem's name on that? That's using Hashem's name for no reason. Hashem, waste. God does not forgive. Those that say his name in vain. And then, of course, Zachor et Yom HaShabbat 
So now we have to remember the Shabbat. And the Pasuk says, how do we remember the Shabbat? To sanctify. Six days you shall work. What does it mean you should do all your work? Nobody does all their work in six days. There's always next week we have more work to do. So that she says, once the Shabbat comes, you should have in your mind, all my work is done. You shouldn't think about your work that you have to do next week or whatever you left undone. Your attitude should be as if all your work was done. And therefore not to think about your uh, work during Shabbat. And who is that? You and your children, even even the um, even the the youngsters, uh, or maybe it's talking about the old ones. How do we know it says your children? So uh, the pasuk is coming to say that the adults have a responsibility that uh, to stop the youngsters. Let's say a youngster is coming to do a Hidl Shabbat. So the adults have to stop them, to train them. Why? Because uh, Hashem created the world in six days. The oceans and everything that's within it. As if to say, God rested. Now he doesn't have to rest. God was not fatigued. But it's saying, if God, who doesn't need to rest, rested, or the more so people that do get fatigued and tired after working for six days, certainly they have to rest. So we have to learn a, uh, an all the more so from God. If God, who doesn't need to rest, and still rested on the seventh day, so certainly we must do the same. And then the Pasuk says, God bless the Shabbat. What did he bless it with? The man. Remember on Friday, we got a double portion of man. For Friday, and for Shabbat, and also he sanctified it that the man did not fall on Shabbat. So there's a beracha and there's a kiddush. The beracha is what? That the man, like we said, fell. And the, the, the man fell twice on Friday. That's why we have double portion on Shabbat. That's the blessing of Shabbat. And he sanctified it that it did not come down on Shabbat. I cannot stop. Honor your father and your mother. So the Torah says that if you honor your parents, you will live a long life. And the opposite is also true. But if you don't, God forbid, the opposite. And therefore we can learn the implication. The next pasuk is Lotirzah. Lotirzah means do not murder. Lotinaf, do not commit adultery. adultery. So she says, this is talking about Eshet Ish, that a person cannot take a married lady. Lotignov. Okay. Yeah, okay. Don't kidnap. Lotignov. Don't steal. Kidnapping. Right. We learned earlier, love does not mean don't steal. It means not because we know already from a different pasuk about um, do not uh, do not steal. And anyway, we know from the context all these ten commandments are punishable by death. If a person commits adultery, there's a death penalty. 
If a person murders, there's a death penalty. Now, if a person steals, there's no death penalty on stealing. You just mm -hmm. pay the So it must be referring to a type of stealing that there is a death penalty. And that is what? Kidnapping. Kidnap punishable by Bedin. Finally, we, not, we cannot bear false testimony. You cannot be a false witness. And we're not allowed to be jealous or to covet. We cannot be jealous of our friend's wife, the Abdo and his servants or his maid, the Amato. People are jealous of people's maids. Uh, <laughs> That would be his donkey or his uh, 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 his ox. Today, that would be their cars. A guy's a nice car. A guy's a nice, uh, you know, fancy this. And for that matter, don't be jealous of anything that your friend has. And I once heard a beautiful explanation is that you have to remember that if you're jealous of something that your friend has, you're only seeing part of the story. You're not seeing everything. People uh, are very, very... Uh, you know, able or capable of showing a good front. They don't wear their problems. So sometimes God says, oh, you want this person's life? She has a nice wife. He has a nice car. He has a nice house. But nobody sees the problems. So God says, you, if you're jealous of someone, you might get it. And you're not going to want it. And therefore, don't be jealous because you really don't know everything that your friend has. When you start to pry into people's lives, you say, whoa, I thought this guy's a life of Riley. I didn't realize there's all these uh, these troubles and things like that. So therefore, the pasuk is reminding us, remember that although you see his wife, his servants, his cars, but there's more than meets the eye. And that more that meets the eye, you'll never want. And therefore, be careful who you're jealous of, because if you want it so much, God might give it to you. And that's not what you signed up for. So that's a, a Musad in the, why you shouldn't be jealous of anybody because ultimately nobody has a perfect life. And therefore, with, with all the good things they have, other stuff comes with it. Not, nobody would wish. Everybody would say, you know what? I'll keep my own life and deal with my own problems. I don't need somebody else's benefit because with the benefit also comes the troubles. All right. That's the Ten Commandments. We were able to do that. We went a little over time, but I think it was uh, time well spent. Uh, take this opportunity to wish our members a Tube'ab. Today's Tube'ab. So all the members have children that need to get married. Themselves get married. We should be blessed. The Zichut of Rashi, that we've spent a lot of hours this year learning his Torah. Rashi should be a, 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 a militiosh advocate for us. Especially for our members, that we should be able to marry off our children properly. And our children that are married should remain happily married. We should have a good time. Amen. Uh, Amen. On holiday. I heard from Rabbi Atiyah today, big class in Kabbalah, and he said that if you take the words Hamisha Asar Be'av, which is the Hebrew words, the fifth Av, it's, it's the same numerical value as Ketiva Hatima Tova, that we should be written, yeah. sealed in the holy books on Rosh Hashanah. We're 45 days away from the creation of what was created on the 25th day of school. So already we could smell Rosh Hashanah. This Friday, this Saturday night, we have Hatarat Nidarim already. So the first Hatarah, that already we're in the, we're in the high holiday.
season that is coming. And therefore, on this day, Hamisha Asar Be'ab, we wish all our members as well a free Ketiva, Hatima, Toba. Amen. Amen. Amen.